0: was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be
1: there. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the Christmas music of Bob Dylan, two songs at a time. Proud member of the <laughs> Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining us once again is my pal, Harold Lapidus. Hi, Harold.
0: Hey, Rob. How's it going?
1: It's going great. Merry Christmas. I'm happy to have you back on the show.
0: Yes, happy holidays, happy new year, happy everything that you celebrate or don't celebrate. Absolutely. Great, great, all-encompassing
1: comment there. Yeah, since this episode is falling on Christmas Day, uh, I just could not pass up the opportunity to uh, talk about Bob Dylan's Christmas album, the 2009 record, Christmas in the Heart. So Harold and I are going to be talking about two songs from this uh, very interesting uh, little artifact in Bob Dylan's uh, recording career, uh, we're going to be. What, talking- what better,
0: what better present to open on Christmas morning than a podcast about absolutely. Bob Dylan Christmas?
1: Absolutely, Sunday. absolutely, it's perfect. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the first song on the album, which is "Here Comes Santa Claus," and then we're also we're going to be wrapping up with the final song in the record, which is "O oh, Little Town of Bethlehem." So, but before we get to these songs, Harold, uh, what was your reaction to this record? I mean, I put, out a, I put out the word on the Twitter feed, hey, everybody, if you're a fan of this album, sound off, because I was just sort of testing the waters to see who was a fan of it, and you responded very quickly, but what was your reaction to this when you, if you can remember, when you first heard that he was doing it, probably one of disbelief because I, I had the same reaction, but what your reaction was <laughs> when you got the record and, and you know, finally got to hear exactly what it was?
0: Um, well, I remember it quite clearly because it was quite shocking because the original thought was, you're kidding. Hmm. And then it was, well, maybe it'll be a really cool Christmas album with weird songs that we don't know and obscure blues songs that <laughs> maybe he and the dead person who wrote it even know what it is. You know, that type of thing. And then the uh, song list uh, came out and there were even little uh, samples and some sort of like an some sort of a website that sold music that uh, temporarily had little samples, like you can get on Amazon these days. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh my god, <laughs> what is, what 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 is this? Um, it just reminded me of the you know 1978 tour <laughs> when there was all this kind of um, negativity and fear and dread of what this could possibly be. And, and just like the 1978 tour, it turned out to be pretty awesome. A couple of things. One of them is that uh, I remember. You know the band Travis? The, yes. Yeah. The um, uh, they had a Why does it always rain on me? He was quoted around the time saying he was approached to write a song for this album. I don't know how true that is. Hmm. It'd, be, it'd be a weird thing to make up, but uh, so it may have gone through different phases. Um, maybe like uh, you know how Dylan did the uh, supper club shows and end up uh, a more corporate uh, MTV unplugged thing where he had to please his um record label and mtv i guess um but anyway uh so it took a while to get it um for me um first of all let me i have two things to say first of all i'm jewish to begin with and second of all i like christmas music <laughs> um uh and uh so I, I come from it from an outsider's view um I and mean, i i can't say i like all of it but i have a really cool mix of cool songs that I think are cool songs of people who do do it well, everything from, you know, the kinks to, uh, you know, Frank Snatcher or whatever. <clears throat> and uh, so I, I, I'm the only person I know that likes Christmas music. Um, and so uh, once I got the, once, you know, the Jingley Bell start the album and it was just, yeah, this is what I feared. And then it became, <laughs> uh, this is fun and that's, and I we may have even touched on this last time, but Bob Dylan having fun is something that isn't, you know, isn't as treasured as when he's really intense and, um you know, fire and brimstone and <laughs> you, you, you know that that's what we want from him. We don't, you know, we don't want him to be happy in, in the abstract. Of course we want him to be happy because we, we love him. But so uh once I got, And and also, uh, it's funny because I was listening to the tracks we're going to talk about today, and uh, in preparation. And his voice is a lot rougher than it is now. And of course, the phrase "he was so much older then" he's younger than that now came to mind. Um, But it it was back at the time when uh, you just it it didn't have that smooth Christmas kind of um, uh, Nat King Cole kind of vibe that. Most people associate with Christmas, and uh, then yeah. And once I got it, I loved it, and um, I can go on even more. And I'll let you speak. But uh, that was the trajectory. As with a lot of the more difficult things that or challenging things that Bob Dylan comes up with, eventually, uh, it's not Bob Dylan who is doing something that is bad or anything like that. It's, It's just it's challenging, and and eventually. After years and years and years of training and therapy, you you <laughs> eventually learn how to how to listen to his his stuff and um you get to appreciate it for what it is. And what was your take on it?
1: Yeah, I mean I remember thinking when I first heard about it, you know, oh, is this gonna be some weird, you know like you like you kind of what you just talked about and then then I saw the cover which is you know right out of like a courier and Ives you know kind of thing <laughs> and uh I mean in fact it is stock art from like the 1800s the the piece on the cover and then you saw the the, the track listing I was like oh no yeah this is just a christmas el- like this is straight up a christmas album and and yeah uh I mean I will say the minute I heard that all the proceeds that Dylan was going to make from it, were going to charities, in this case, the Feeding America in the United States, uh, an organization called Crisis in the UK, and then in perpetuity, the World Food Program, I immediately said, well, okay, I almost don't even care whether this is all that good because it's an, it's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing. And, and um, it's interesting you mentioned his vocals because obviously from what we've heard over the years as his voice has gotten craggier and craggier, he has... He has enough control of his instrument to lean into that cragginess or lean out of that. And there are some songs, like, you know, a lot of the songs he sings on the Sinatra Covers records, which of course we didn't know were, were coming when this <clears throat> came out, are a lot smoother sounding. And, like, say, uh, I made up my mind to give myself over to you is very kind of smooth. But on this record, he's really leaning into the, you know, the phlegmy. <laughs> That <laughs> you know, kind of thing, which is like, okay, that's clearly what, you know, he's, that's on purpose, clearly. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's clearly trying to sing it in this particular way, which initially might seem a, an odd fit with these Christmas songs. But, uh, you know, and so the record comes out and I listen to it and, um, you know, I mean, there's some fun stuff in here, and we'll talk about it. And I did cover one of the songs from this record way back in episode 34 of the show. I did the Must Be Santa, which, uh, to my mind, remains one of the most fun things I've heard him do uh, in in like the last 25 years. I mean, the video, <laughs> the song, uh, I just love everything about it. But I was shocked at like, and I guess I shouldn't be anymore, but I, I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked at the the, the vitriol. That was met with this, that this album was met with when it came out. Because to me, once you establish it's for charity, how much of a Grinch do you need to be to really kind of like want to shit on this thing? Now, Mm -hmm. just because someone's doing something for charity doesn't mean you can't judge it as a piece of art on its own merits. And you can say, well, you know, it's not that great. Their heart was in the right place. but, But I was... I just remember thinking a lot of critics were like one one you know notable critic uh, you li- they list a bunch of uh, notable critics on the wikipedia page like one critic gave it one star like really really <laughs> you know i mean this is, and i was just like and a lot of it seemed to be it was the criticism of the voice and i thought well what were you expecting <laughs> but you know what I mean it's like that's like buying like an Adele record and being like wow a lot of these songs are about romance Well no shit you know what I mean it's like that's kind of what it is and I, yeah, I just I, I just was sort of flummoxed by how much people seem to want to hate on this thing considering he was doing this as a as a an altogether good thing he's helping feed people with food insecurity and I just that made me want to defend it that much more because I just the point, even even to this day, in two thousand nine, after all this guy's been through and how much it's been shown that he is kind of ahead of the curve on these things, there's still some critics out there that are almost like salivating to roll up their sleeves and be like, "I can't wait to stick it to this Dylan guy." And I just like, what is you know, what is that about?
0: Yeah, they're, they're, that. It, it. It's happened less since he won the, the Nobel Prize, I think. But, um, um, it, it's like, but that guy who wrote that review, I mean, where is he, you know, these days and the negative one that you were talking about mm-hmm. and, and what has he done with his life and what is, and a lot of it um, with, uh, uh, this is not going to be news to anybody, but a lot of people just need clicks to get, that's how, yep. yeah, yeah. that's how people get paid or get acknowledged as being, uh, doing something that's popular. So even if you're a fan and some or, or if you're not a fan, either way, something with a, a sensational, uh, headline, you, you're going to, people are going to click on it. And then, then that person's happy. It doesn't even matter what the content is, but yeah. And there, yeah, there, there are certain people that, uh, there's certain celebrities that people like to, um, Poop on! I don't know what with the, with the language barrier here. <laughs> don't worry about <laughs> it. It's Christmas. Uh, Let's not worry about it. Um, but uh, you yeah, he's one. Uh, Howard Stern's another one. Uh, Woody Allen's another one. There are people that that get are just like almost like punchlines. And these people have created amazing bodies of work. And whether you like it or not, they are certainly successful in their craft, and they beat the odds to be what they are. And they are but it's an easy target and um it makes i guess the people who write them feel better about themselves but yeah you know, um yeah you know, it's a, it just seems really petty and bitter and yeah yes, again
1: it's, it's again, i don't mean to suggest that that you have to give something a favorable review because it's for charity because again you it, you can judge it on its own merits and say hey as a christmas record this just doesn't really hold up for me. I don't like the song choices. I don't like the way he sings it. I wish he did something different. But, but all that is fine. All of that is perfectly to me, uh, ab- you know, above board. But it just and I don't want to lean too heavily into this because you know this is meant to be kind of a celebratory episode. I want to go. On on Christmas, about the, everybody! Yeah. <laughs> I don't go on and on about the critics, but it. I will say, like this record, I I do feel like kind of protective of it because I just feel like. He was first of all. This was his second full length record in a year, uh, which you know. I mean, they talk about a, a you know a, a bounty for right. uh, for for Dylan fans. I mean, he already put out together through life, and now there's going to be like a second record in the same year. Like it's just amazing. But and again, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Knowing what we know, that the Sinatra records were coming. That this was yeah. in his mind. This was on his mind. This kind of stuff. And he gave interviews where he said, you know. I'm not kidding around with this. And so there's no other way to do these songs, but sort of straightforward. And he was talking about how much these songs mean to him. And of course we know that he was a huge fan growing up of Bing Crosby and Dinah Shore. And, you know, a a lot of artists that, you know, his, you know, in the 1960s, when he was like the the hippest, modest guy in the world would have considered horribly square. But Mm -hmm. Bob was always a fan of those people and their music. And so this was what, this stuff means something to him. So you could see why he's wanting to do his own versions of these songs that he loves so much. And he doesn't feel the need to say, I'm going to like invert them inside out and like prove that I'm kind of above all this. I'm just going to sing it the way I kind of want to sing it. And on that end to me, it, it really works. You know, it's again, I, I will say, I don't, I tend to not listen to outside of Christmas, the Christmas season. I don't, I don't really listen to this. Uh, much other than Must Be Santa. That's the one I play all year round. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so much fun. But nevertheless, and we'll, we'll talk about when we get to m- my song choice, there's some really beautiful singing in this, despite how craggy he sounds. So, so the first song we were talking about was Here Comes Santa Claus, uh, which is by Gene Autry. So right. uh, of all the ones we could talk about, why did you want to talk about this the one?
0: Um, well, first of all, that's one of the ones that's on my, that mix that I was... Mentioning earlier, um, it is the it is. Um, I was going to say it, it does sound the bells that start the album, but it literally starts the bells, sounds mm-hmm. the bells that starts the album. Um, it's uh, there's a few things. First of all, um, it, this ties back to um, Elvis Presley. Uh, I'm going to talk about Elvis for a little bit. Uh, Elvis is. I didn't realize I was doing research that Elvis's uh, uh, Christmas album, the first one he did, was his third album. I didn't realize it was that early in his career, mm-hmm. and he covers this. And, um, uh, he did a Christmas album. Sinatra did a Christmas album. Uh, uh, theirs were more divided in half with the, the secular side and the spiritual side. <clears throat> but, um, uh, that's how you couldn't even, you know, <laughs> you couldn't even mix them in those days. You, know, you have they keep them separate. But, um, uh, so, uh, I think there is a connection to Elvis, uh, even though it's not exactly the same, it does have the, the, those, uh, angelic kind of backing singers and uh you know it's funny because he seems to be having fun with it he's having um I wouldn't say it's mocking it but it, it it's just this kind of like he almost knows how odd it is that he's doing this but he's still <laughs> having fun um and it also has just has um uh a couple of things one is that um Again, the, the you know since Bob's a Gemini and he keeps on uh, referring to that in his duality and, and things that he does, uh, it does. Uh, here comes Santa Claus. It has the this, the myth, the the, the 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 feeling of the spiritual feeling of Christmas and the uh, the Santa Claus figure. Who uh, you know, I hope I'm not uh, bursting any bubbles, but is a mythical figure. <laughs> um, and in, and and it, it reflects his other music in in other ways. There's um uh yeah you know, when he says you know, jump in, you know um what does he say jump in bed and cover your head i mean that that can almost be like a bring you all back home kind of line <laughs> um and if we just follow the light kind of thing is uh it is reflected in his gospel uh, kind of writing um, and uh he talks about the rich and poor, and that reflect his his um uh topical protest music. Uh so it's all kind of in there. I don't I don't know if Bob was thinking about any of those things at the time, but if he was listening to these songs when he was very young, I mean, if it was he must have been around sixteen or so when right? 41? Well, yeah, so sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um the same amount of years between his first album and Street Legal. <laughs>
1: um, <16 years. laughs>
0: um uh so if he was listening to it at that time and just getting into all the that kind of uh rock and roll music. Early early rock and roll, yeah. You know, um, I know it just probably just had it might be in there somewhere. I mean, God knows what's going on in Bob Dylan's head, and that's what that's what we try to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um you know, all the, he just takes strands from music everywhere, which you mentioned earlier, and um, uh, yeah. So it just, I mean, it's just such a fun opening song, and I think um, um, actually, I didn't I didn't think about this till just now, but I mean, what other song would you even use as an opening song for the album? It just seems like here comes Santa Claus and here comes Bob Dylan and here comes a Christmas album and you better watch out. <laughs> uh yeah so that's um yeah and I think if for people who are um not a fan of his voice on this album uh this is one of the ones that I think can it would still be appealing.
1: Yeah. It it certainly does. Uh, it is a great way to open the record. Again, you mentioned the opening with the Christmas bells. It, it really is kind of announcing it's, you, you know, right from the first 30 seconds what you're getting on this record from that, you know, he's sort of setting the, setting the path of like, okay, this is what we're going to be getting. And yeah, I can imagine that we all know that Bob loves country crooners. He loves his cowboy crooners. He dresses like a cowboy a lot of the time. Uh, so, you know, you can imagine that he's a big fan of, of Gene Autry. Um, and this is a little far afield, but I couldn't help but think of it when I was looking, uh, doing the research on this. And this <laughs> is this is based on absolutely nothing. This is just pure <laughs> supposition on my part, but that that's what the show is partly for. So well, I looked up the Wikipedia page for "Here Comes Santa Claus," right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and there was a picture of the label, the single, the forty-five that came out and it was Gene, you know, it's a Gene Autry and it was on the Columbia label Mm -hmm. and it has that old timey Columbia label that of course, Bob uses on the vinyl versions uh, and the CDs of his records. Now they're choosing to go and use that old Columbia label, uh, which obviously is very, very specific graphic design choice. And who the hell knows how much Bob gets involved in that end of it. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: again, forgive me everybody for going down this path, but, 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 you know, no, this is a good path. This is how, I like how this much line. is there to say about here comes Santa Claus? But what what, <laughs> what the re, the re, again the reason I'm bringing this up is uh, there's a book I, I read many years ago about uh, it's called the um, I forget the name of it. it's by Bill Carter and it's about the late night wars. He did two books. He did one about the Leno Letterman fight for the Tonight Show, and then he did a later one about the whole Jay Leno Conan O'Brien you know uh, fiasco. Uh-huh. And they talk about that after Conan O'Brien's show, uh, when, the late night show, finally became a success and NBC was really happy with him, they wanted to keep him in their good graces. And so they wanted to give him a gift. And they said, we can get you like a car or like, you know, a painting. Like they, you know, they were really kind of throwing the world at him. And Conan O'Brien is a big fan of broadcasting. He's a student of television broadcasting. He's kind of a nerd for that stuff. And instead of asking for a car or a painting or something incredibly lavish, he asked them, do you guys have one of your old RCA microphones that you used back in the radio days? And they were like, yeah, maybe. And they (laughs) went and they went and sent some, you know, intern to go into the warehouse and find a vintage microphone. And that's all (laughs) Conan O'Brien wanted. You know, that was it. And they NBC was like, you don't want a car, you know? And he was like, <laughs> no, I just want this thing. And then, so when I see the vintage Columbia label and I see this Gene Autry, I have to wonder has over the years, has Bob Dylan kind of done that from, for, from Columbia records? Has he, you know what I mean? I'm sure they offer him bonuses, signing bonuses, do various things to keep him in house. Cause he's, you know, how many people are, how many labels have somebody of that legendary stature and, you know, how many more cars can Bob have? How many more <laughs> boats can he have? You know what I mean? So I got to wonder, like, does he ask for, like, hey, do you have, like, old Gene Autry, you know, uh, lyric sheets somewhere? You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if he's into that kind of stuff. It makes me think that he does. And the other reason I think about it is I heard years ago Tom Petty got Bob a vintage jukebox for Christmas. Because, mm-hmm. of course, what else did he get Bob Dylan for Christmas? Like, well, you know, what else is there left to get him? So... Again, he also I'm well, de- He
0: also got him um, uh, uh, XM radio <laughs> before before he was on XM radio. <laughs> that's a man. I'm trying to imagine setting setting Bob up for that. You know, <laughs> yeah, Somebody set it for him.
1: Where's my USB port? You know, I mean, stuff like that. All right, Bob. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like again, I'm sorry for the, for going down this path, but it when I see that Gene Autry was on the Columbia label and that's Bob's label, and here he is covering a Gene Autry song, I just think. Is Bob like really into that stuff? Like the history of it? Uh I, I can picture him being some being into that kind of thing, being looking at himself and saying, I am part of this tradition of, you know, Gene Autry and all these other people that have come or John Hammond, all these people John Hammond discovered. I that's something I can imagine Bob being into. I not I get I could be completely wrong, but it's just when I saw that label, that's what I thought of.
0: Yeah. I mean he he is that contradictory person which is you know news to no one listening (laughs) but um yeah sometimes uh it it's he seems so aware of all sorts of things of history uh, all sorts of things um uh someone i know you know he, he he misses the old world and um i remember talking to someone um who spoke to him she's a dj she was a dj and spoke to him uh, speaking of Tom Petty, I lose that when Tom Petty was at Mansell Garden, And when she mentioned she was a DJ, he said, You know what? This is a paraphrase, a paraphrase of a paraphrase. Um, but said, You know what I really miss? When radio stations were local. And, wow. you know, because um, yeah, now, it, you know, Sirius XM or whatever you listen to, or, yeah, there is some, of course, some local radio, but aside from college radio stations, maybe it's they, they have playlists and it's all corporate and, and not a lot of freedom. And, and this is again, not news to anybody, but yeah, he, he misses the old world and that's kind of where he lives.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, to, um, that pirate radio station, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally.
0: And I um, mean, he just try to, tries to keep it as um, old school as possible. Uh, I'm still working on, I haven't listened to your um talk about the tour yet because I'm, I'm still working on my review believe it or not <laughs> um, but uh, um uh but i was I as you know I'll, I'll give you a preview um it just seemed like there were certain things that were uh, a nod to the past like when and like when he was doing um uh gotta serve somebody he seemed like he was little richard he was just doing little richard he's standing there like little richard and playing it like little richard um and um uh, the one from Nashville skyline, um, Could to be, be alone. With yeah. I mean, yeah, at one point he says, my eyes are still blue, which is a Hank Williams quote. It seems like he's, uh, you know, it's like, you know, the, the 473 names he mentioned on, um, you know, murder most <laughs> foul. <fell. laughs> <laughs> um, it seems like he's, he, he wants to name check a lot of people and, and pay tribute more. Um, mean, he always kind of did that, but, um, it seems like it, it's more blatantly, uh, Uh, making uh, nods to the past, specific clues, which he always does. But um, anyway, I'm getting off track here. But um, but but speaking of I'm going to tie it together. So Little Richard was um, someone who also uh, started off as a rocker, went completely gospel for a while, and didn't do any rock and roll for a while, and then came back. And also, he he said he was Jewish for a while, and one quote said that Bob Dylan had something to do with that. Huh. So, so anyway, that's tying it all down. <laughs> it. Nice, nice little bow. Speak of going down rabbit holes.
1: <laughs> You're bringing it all back home, Harold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really confounding, though. That is yeah. <laughs> a really fun little detail. Um, <laughs> yeah, I found this great quote from David Hidalgo, who played on the record, and he talked about working on the, the record and Bob's processes. And he says, uh, I need mean these songs. You know, they've been around forever, and everybody knows them. And you have to be reverent, and you have to do them justice in a way. So we, before we did Silver Bells that first day, I think we listened to Bing Crosby and Dean Martin doing it. We'd listen to, say, the Christmas song. We'd listen to Nat King Cole's version. We'd listen to Mel May's version. And we'd be like, well, we can't do that, but we'll do something that works. We'll make it our own. You know, to try and one-up Nat King Cole isn't going to happen. So we'd come up with a different arrangement. Other songs, we'd listen to Bing Crosby and Sinatra doing the same song. Our lives doing the song, we'd listen to the Leuven brothers doing the song and just kind of pick a direction, you know, take elements from each one and just try and find something until Bob felt the band had a feel for it. If we started playing it and it wasn't happening, we'd go back and rethink things. There were a few times we'd do a song and Bob would take it home and listen to it overnight, and the next day he'd come back. Let's try that again. We'll do a different take on it. It was wide open the way he works.
0: Uh,
1: that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> as someone who can't play a lick of uh, not a note of music, that just sounds like the most fun way to make a record imaginable. To sit and listen to these classic songs and just sort of hash it out and say, "Well, well we could yeah, we could do kind of this Mel Torme thing, but not exactly that," and then come back the next day and try it again. I mean, that. I mean you know I mean obviously Bob Dylan is in an incredibly fortunate position earned obviously well earned right, right. that there is no studio clock ticking presumably I'm sure he makes the records when he you know at the speed he wants to make them but at the same time 33 and a third yeah you know yeah I mean you know I mean I'm sure that there's no Columbia executive going, you know, Bob, we got to get out of here. You know, you've been, this has been costing a lot. That doesn't happen. Nobody talks about Dylan like that. But I, just, I, I think
0: I, we, actually in the 1980s, I think they did. <laughs> well, in the 80s, yes. I just mean but not anymore. Yeah, He proved that uh, he outlasted all those other executives.
1: I'm exactly. Sure. Yeah, t- completely. But I mean, that just, I just love that quote so much. It just sounds so... Uh, relaxing and creative and and rewarding to kind of just sit there and say, "All right, let's just sort of hash this out and figure these things out. Um, and, you know, one of the other things I thought that was sort of interesting is uh, about this record is there's so much of the backup singer. And Bob, you know, of course, of course, his career, he really hasn't had a lot of male backup singers. He's a lot of female backup singers, but not a lot of male backup singers. I and mean, he's got a couple... Uh, on the, the the latest record and uh but but and you know but I don't really count like i don't think of like the woolberries and that to me they're they are equal partners right same thing with the band they're not his backup mm-hmm. singers they're they're his collaborators but bob's voice usually doesn't mesh with male backup singers for whatever reason, but obviously for this record, he chose to use them
0: um overall i mean what did you feel about like that sound um uh well uh, you, <laughs> you say so many things i so many things i i, I want to address. right before i get to that one of the things that you were talking about listening to records um i don't know if you i think it was in uncut magazine they interviewed the people who played on um, modern times and i remember uh you know a lot of those a few of those songs are based or sound like they're based on like muddy waters records um, and just changing the words slightly. And uh you know, all the all the people on probably on com or whatever that thing, rec Dylan Music. You know what I'm talking about, like the Google mm-hmm. chat. Yep. Um, they were saying, Well, it's not really muddy waters, it's you know, it's originally done by 1929, by blah, 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 blah. And people are just over intellectualizing it. And then the guys in the orchestra said, Yeah, Bob got a muddy red, got some muddy water records and said, Yeah, play it like this. <laughs> Um, you know, sometimes I think we, you know, for you know, and and, and I'm talking to myself. You know, it's like you know, sometimes we overthink these things. Mm-hmm. But um, um, you know, this uh, well, the, yeah, it had to be those singers that on Christmas in the Heart to make it what it is. It had, it, it almost that was the first thing that was shocking, and then it ended up being Bob Dylan having fun. You know, I just I can just see him saying. Yeah, let's go all out. We're, this is going to be like a 1950s Christmas record. And we're, what do you well? What do you need, Bob? Well, we need you know these you know these beautiful sounding female backing singers, and we need these arrangements, and we need jingle bells, and we you know, get a Christmas tree in the studio, and you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, just we just you have to get in the spirit of things. Um, again, you know, I don't and I don't know if you go back to the, to the thing I was saying before. You know, was originally supposed to be a different concept. Uh, you know, something we don't know but um but once he got into it um he it you know does it doesn't does it go against to does it does it mesh with his voice um you know when i was listening to here Comes santa claus like on repeat um you know it, it and yeah you know, it sort of comes and goes <laughs> you know and uh, it you know there's bob's voice and then then the the backing singers and a lot and uh um I think that it that was a jolting thing initially i don't um, I don't feel that way anymore because I take it as one uh concrete statement so to speak it's a, it's just the way it is and that's um it's supposed to be nineteen fifty five with uh the two thousand and nine Bob Dylan, you know, <laughs> <Bob> Dylan metal, the <laughs> and that's what you get and, and he's he, in, and you can you can hear him smiling I think. when he's
1: yeah, I mean, uh, I saw that when, the, like you said, we they did the video, there were two videos for this record. There was Must Be Santa, and then there was the animated one for the little drummer boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Must Be Santa was released as an e-card. I remember that. I remember I had it. I remember getting sent to my email. And as a seven-inch single, and it said the B-side of which was a recording of Bob reading Twas the Night Before Christmas that was uh, broadcast on the Theme Time Radio Hour. So even mm-hmm. that is kind of kind of an old-timey, Kind of feel to it of like uh, like almost like something you would get if you were like the, in, in the Bob Dylan fan club. You know, it's like those <laughs> that, like that that Beatles message that they did for right. you know, just their fan club. You know, oh hello fans, it's like <laughs> Beatles like that. But it has that it has that same kind of thing that you could imagine Bob in a different universe. Bob would be sending you premiums in the mail, you know, to drink your Ovaltine. Is it that kind of, you know what I mean? It has this sort of feel to it. And so I, Save you I, green
0: stamps and you can buy a Bob Dylan poster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: totally. I can totally imagine that. So, I mean, it's like, it's kind of, so again, as I was listening back to this record over again, over the, over the holiday, uh, I get sort of just swept up on it with it. You know what I mean? I just kind of do, I just feel like, okay, it works within its specific context. And that, makes me think of something else I wanted to mention uh, before we get to the uh, little town of Bethlehem is that not a single one of these songs has been performed in concert, not a single one, even when he's been touring in December. December. Yeah. And I find that I, you know, on one one hand, I feel like maybe these songs require their context and they require to be part of this record
0: Mm -hmm.
1: bouncing off each other and not done in concert at the same time. Boy, it would have been fun if he had done Must Be Santa Live.
0: That would have been a blast. That's why he didn't do it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there you go. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, the place would go nuts if he started doing any of those songs, um, especially now. I mean, post COVID, everything is as a new, um, not post COVID, but post lockdown, um, post, you know, now that we have vaccines. um, You know, I think everyone appreciates things on a a whole other level. that and it just appreciate you know bob dylan 80 and 80 and and these other artists that are um, still around and doing things and you're even more appreciative of them and you're able to enjoy them and everyone's i wouldn't say things are getting back to normal but they're getting they're, they're, they're the facade of getting back to normal <laughs> where we yeah, can actually normal get it. Yes. Let's put, yeah. let's put it that way yeah uh but yeah uh, another, and, i want another another thing that just quickly uh when you talk about male backing singers uh on his records he doesn't have them but uh um there was of course uh when larry campbell and um charlie sexton they would do a lot of cool harmonies that's when,
1: true uh, right, right when they would do yeah right when they play live they would do it uh that, that yeah that's true especially on the old folk songs and stuff like that so. yeah, yeah um so so the the final song is the old little town of Bethlehem. This was. Uh, the text of which was written by Phillips Brooks, uh, who lived from 1835 to 1893. He was an Episcopal priest, then the rector of the Church of the Holy Trinity in Philadelphia, hey, right across the river from here, and later of Trinity Church in Boston. And, and yeah, Boston, yay, Boston. Hey, there you go, Patriots. yeah, yeah, represent. <laughs> uh, he was he was inspired by visiting the village of Bethlehem in the Sanjak of Jerusalem in 1865. Three years later, he wrote the poem for his church. And then his organist, Louis Redner, 1831 to 1908, added the music. And so I you know, did some more research on this. And this thing, I could not find a single cohesive version of this text um, anywhere. <laughs> Every version that I found had different lines to it and Mm -hmm. the one you know i found uh, it's like a bob dylan concert (laughs) it really really is it's all over the place uh the the one that i seem to find the most had four sets of verses now bob only sings two of the verses uh which makes it one of the shortest songs on the record it's only two minutes and 15 seconds and so Mm -hmm. he sings from what i found the first and third verses which is the old little town of bethlehem how still we see the lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And then how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. And then Bob adds "In amen at the end of it. I don't see that word actually in any of the versions that I could find. uh, That's interesting, especially for a
0: a closing song. Yeah. Um,
1: But I I will say I find Bob's the way Bob sings amen to be no joke. One of the most touching vocal performances I've ever heard him give. And, you know, when I got this record the first time and I was listening to it and I, 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 you know, I knew it wasn't quote unquote a joke. Because Bob, says he doesn't do that. But I, I did kind of wonder, like, I, you know, I, I did have a slight difficulty getting my handle on. Like, what is this exactly? Is it just meant to be completely straightforward? straightforward? But then when I heard him sing that Amen, I said, oh, no, he's, yeah, he's having fun, like you talked about, Harold. But at the same time, like, he's taking this as seriously as any of his other songs, if not more so. And I find the way he just sings the amen it stretches it out. I feel like I hear the the, the 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 child the teenage the 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 young child Bob Dylan learning his Christmas carols, and I find it to be a really beautiful performance the way the album wraps up and uh it every time i every time I listen to it, um, I stop what i 'm doing and just make sure I listen to that part i was I had the record on when I was decorating the Christmas tree here. Mm-hmm. And when it got to that part, I just stopped and listened to it. And I just find that just the way he sings it. Ah, oh, man. I'm getting, sorry, everybody, for my horrible <laughs> singing. But I just find yeah. it to be Fix that in that. post. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, if only that was possible. I, I just find it incredibly beautiful. And I, I'm i like, boy, the whole record was worth it just for that little bit at the end. I just think it's gorgeous.
0: Yeah, it is. Um and again, uh, like you, I was uh, uh, preparing for the interview by uh, listening to it, and he, this is one of, this is a song, the performance um, interpretation where his voice at the time emphasizes the emotions in the song, and it all um, uh, you know, all the uh, I don't don't want to say pain and ache and suffering, but all the yeah, you know, whatever, whatever heartache kind of, I don't even know, I guess spiritual longing, I'm not sure what term to use, but anyway, whatever it is, the, 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 the way he sings it with that voice, you know, as someone who has seen a lot and, um, you know, if Daniel Lanois, then, you know, he's lived a lot of lives down there in the trenches and all that. Um, you know, he, uh, yeah, if you can accept that this is a beautiful voice, not a pretty voice, but a beautiful voice that really can emote in a way that no one else can. You can't help but be moved by what he is singing. Even if you don't relate to the words, you you can relate to the feeling and, mm-hmm. and what he's going through. And yeah, I never thought about the fact that he said um, you know, uh, amen at the end, but uh, um, now that you're mentioning it, it's like, yeah, that's the... Uh, you know, the exclamation point at the end that, um, you know, brings it all home. <laughs>
1: yeah. I like said, I, I listened to that and I just, it, it works on me every time. I just think he's being, he's really putting across how much these these songs mean to him. And then again, going back to what we talked about, the fact that this is done for charity, I just look at it. Like this is, this is just entirely a good thing. You know, this is just entirely, and I've bought this record on vinyl and mm-hmm. I bought it on uh streaming and i've bought it on cd and mm-hmm. you know i like to say all right all that money went to charity and it's just like good for, good for you bob dylan you, know? <laughs> I mean, it's just good for you, and so uh yeah this is uh, you know yeah is, is it gonna you know is bob gonna go down along with you know mariah carey and all these other people that have these you know christmas classics no but mm-hmm. as you you talk about it, it makes you feel something and this record makes me feel a lot of things. It, it it puts across the warmth he has for this music and how much he loves it. And I may not have the same feelings about it, but it gives me that sense of joy. And as I said in the episode when we did Must Be Santa, man, I want to be at that party. Uh, I want to be at a Bob Dylan party because they look like, aside from the guy getting drunk and jumping out the window, uh, it looks like a lot of fun. And uh, as you said, you can sort of hear the smile in his voice, which is just marvelous.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, and uh, it's uh, as you say. One of one of going back to something said early on, and what, one of the one of the thoughts that I had was that it is for charity, and if people are going to give it negative reviews, that's going to affect the amount of money going towards charity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's a it, it's. You're, by being, you know, a smart ass or whatever, trying to get clicks on your um your uh webpage or whatever, you know, someone's not gonna eat <laughs> or something. And um yeah, it's uh yeah. But that I mean it says a lot about the world and kind of predicted the future in a way. <laughs> Some of the things that have happened since. But um yeah, and uh, another thing. You know, hearing Bob Dylan being vulnerable in that way, I guess that's the word I was thinking about before, uh, uh on this last song, the, um, A Little Town. Um, he, he does it more than you'd think. <laughs> but, you it, know, um, it's not, I don't think it's the first thing that, at least I don't, it's not the first thing I think about when he's being vulnerable. I usually think of the exact opposite, very full of bravado and so on. I'm very confident and, and, um, and, but, uh, the, um, uh, made my mind to give myself to you and, and some of these other songs, uh, he can, he can do that and he does it well. And, and, so unfortunately for some people, the fact that it's not a smooth voice stops them from being able to absorb, you know, the, the emotion that's there. I mean, it's a, and, um, but what Bob Dylan is been about among many, multitudes is that um you know there there are things there's more here than meets the eye. There are many levels or there's a lot of ways to interpret things and you gotta, you know, peek under things to to see them. And it may not be fun and it may whatever, but uh you know, he, you know, his what he one of the many things that I feel I've gotten from his art. Is how to think and how to think critically and even think critically of him. I mean, one thing that I get kind of um, not accused of, but uh, I tend to focus on the positive of what he does because why bother with anything else? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, because that's what I learned from him. It's like, it's easy to say, oh, well, he can sing, so therefore it's not bad, you know, whatever. It's, and if you want to go down that road, I'm probably not even going to convince you otherwise. But um, if you get past that superficial thing it's like ju- judging a book by its cover or a person by their looks or any of these things you, know, you you're it's you're not getting the uh, what is being offered which is a lovely christmas message
1: <laughs> yeah i said and that's again that's it's an amazing thing for him to do and you said it's vulnerable yeah uh, you know and that's that's i mean we you know there's a certain mask that bob dylan never drops and we're never going to penetrate it and we should not because mm. he, he deserves that as well right. but uh but yeah he's offering something up to us in a very profound way and i just think it's a you know i just think it's it's a remarkable gesture to have this thing and then to have, again like and have it be in perpetuity you mm. know it's not like oh it's for the first year uh it's going to charity and then after that i'm making some money no it's in purpose like he'll never really see any money out of this record uh, and, and he still made it. He still made it when
0: people bought music.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's just now now
0: it'd be like he wouldn't get. You know, how many Spotify streams would it mean? You know, you get ten million Spotify, <laughs> Spotify streams, and get you know fourteen Eight cents. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's been streamed on
1: Spotify forty billion times. That's earned the the uh, feeding America nine dollars. Like, ooh, okay, great. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a great record. I I don't know if it's going to be the kind of thing where. You know, every Christmas I'm going to want to like examine two more songs. I think maybe you know uh, the the must be Santa and and Ophir Town of Bethlehem to me are sort of the highlights of it. I will I mm-hmm. will say overall with the record. I wish there had been a couple more kind of more must be Santas in there, a couple more <laughs> upbeat numbers. Uh, but I that's my general criticism of the Sinatra records as well. Like I you know I wish there just been a couple more uh, you know snappy ones. But that you know okay whatever. Uh, I'm <laughs> so glad this record exists and i just again i just think it's a it's a wonderful thing he did and uh i said it still it still works on me uh you know 11 whatever 12 years later uh this record is is now and it's still uh, still highly enjoyable and you know i wish that uh maybe some some enterprising uh person on amazon music or on uh, xm radio would would throw in one of these songs in their christmas mixes i've yet to hear that uh but you know that might be fun to just stick in must be Santa in between, uh, Bruce Springsteen singing Santa Claus is come to town or something like that. You know, it wouldn't be too bad. I think people could put up with it for three minutes.
0: Uh, Speaking of it must be Santa. I don't know if you, you, um, discussed this in your podcast. I I haven't listened to all 150 of them, but, um, I'm catching up. I'm catching. Um, uh, did you, do you remember it? Did you cover, um, the when it's based on a brave combo version, and then Bob Dylan made a reference, an obscure reference to Tiny Tim. did you you know what I'm talking about? I don't i I don't remember.
1: Uh, that was so it was like five years ago we covered it. what was what, what the reference?
0: Um so and again, I'm just remembering this now. Um, but he did an interview to promote the album, and he mentioned that must be Santa was based on a version by Brave Combo. And then Bob Dylan said, you should hear their version of Hey Jude. And the version they did with Hey Jude was backing Tiny Tim. But he didn't say it was Tiny Tim. You know, he had to, you know, even know. (laughs) (laughs) But I I just happened to know. I just happened to have that CD. And um, I think it was a little reference to his old uh, Greenwich Village and Woodstock buddy, Tiny Tim. Oh, that's God bless funny. us, everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. The Christmas. There it is for Christmas again. Oh,
0: that's... Uh, it that's all ties amazing. together. See yeah. how deep he is? I mean, it just never ends. Per- yeah.
1: That, you know what? That's a perfect place to stop. That's a perfect <laughs> place to stop. This. So, well, Harold, thank you for coming back to the show so soon and, and doing this with me. Like I said, it just the timing of it was just too perfect that this show was going to drop on Christmas Day. How could I not talk about two songs from Christmas in the heart? So,
0: uh, thank you so much for coming back. I really appreciate it. Oh, I, my pleasure. Um, uh, I really enjoy um, uh, this interaction with you. You're, uh, if you don't mind a, a little Christmas compliment, you're very good at what you do and I enjoy and you make me feel very comfortable. So thank you very much. Well,
1: thank you. So now when you were on the first time, uh, the question I asked you, the sign off question was what song did you want to hear Bob open the concert with? Well, Bob's concerts have come and gone. We don't need to talk about this. So I've changed the question. You're going to get a, you're the going to get this other question, which is from the pomegranate County irregulars regulars on Twitter if you got invited to a Bob tribute concert, Harold, and you were on
0: first, what song would you perform? Um, one of the best songs from Hearts of Fire, How to Dream About You, Baby. <laughs> I like that song. I know there's
1: like a lot of Bob fans <laughs> don't like that song. I like that song, actually.
0: And there are two different mixes. You know, there's one on on the, um, the soundtrack and then there's one on uh, Down in the Group.
1: <laughs> it's, it's up-tempo. You know, it's up to... It's also. fun. It's fun about yeah, having it's a fun. fun. Yeah, it's a fun, yeah. fun song. <laughs> I like that. I like that song. I actually, I really like that song. So, All right. Good Good pick. Good pick. So uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you around on the internet?
0: Um, well, uh, the I have a uh, a podcast, which is uh, Boston Herald podcast, and not, not to be confused with the Boston Herald newspaper con- uh, podcast. Um, I have a couple of interesting things that I'm still working on and editing, um, coming out soon uh, uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Dylan examiner I think <laughs> I used yeah. to be right for something called examiner I'm on Facebook I'm on Instagram and um, and I'm on Twitter a lot and and and, uh, and uh, podcast Pod Dylan and I interact quite a bit on, on Twitter, so that's one way to find us.
1: Absolutely. Well again, you, you heard everybody find, find Harold on all those different uh, places. Uh, this is the final show for Pod Dylan of uh, calendar year 2021. Next Saturday will be uh, January 1st 2022. Uh, so I just want to extend a big thank you to all of my guests uh, that were nice enough to come by and talk with me uh, over the course of this show. Uh, there were some you know big excitement developments. Uh, when it comes to to Bob, we had Shadow Kingdom, and we you know the return of the touring and it was just uh, a great year for the show i I just start, I enjoyed this show more than I did before, and I always think I enjoy it as much as I can, but every year I seem to enjoy it a little more it's just, it's just a really fun project for me to work on and i I really appreciate everyone who took the time to come onto the show and and talk with me it 's just very, very much appreciated and I look forward to covering more uh, Bob songs in the uh, 2022. So like I said, that's going to do it for 2021. Everybody. Uh, you can find back episodes of the show on the website, fire and Border You can subscribe to pod Dylan and then Podcatcher of your choice. And then finally, I have to thank our Patreon supporters over at patron.com slash FW podcast. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, Sebastian Krog, George Doherty, Joaquin Meckel, and Paul Ruther for their support of pod Dylan. I really appreciate it, fellas. Thank you so very much. So, That is going to do it. Have a Merry Christmas. Have a happy holidays, everybody. Have a a safe and happy new year, and we will see you in 2022. Uh, Until then, bye. That's the way you get titles of songs. You hear something. Uh, I'll give you a good idea of what uh, happened in uh, Hollywood when I was riding the Hollywood Parade. Why the kids were all yelling, here comes Santa Claus, here comes yeah. Santa Claus. And I made a, a note of that, and uh, I wrote the song, Here Comes Santa Claus, and recorded it. And it was one of the biggest hits that I've ever had.